The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Good morning. Um, I'm hopping a plane in about a day uh, back to Texas, and um, a little apprehensive about that, but knowing the great need that has, has come upon our country, um, sometimes it takes a disaster to wake a country up, and um, we all pray that perhaps this one does. Maybe this is the one that wakes the country up. Um, before I begin, um, uh, I, I don't know, I assume most of you have probably heard that um, we have lost uh, one of the precious treasures of, of our uh, our community, not just here in Santa Barbara, but um, really over the country, um, with the repose of um, uh, the beloved um, uh, Gloria Mary Sue Walker, um, and the, um, uh, the, the church stands in tears. Uh, uh, as we sing Memory Eternal, we, um, um, we are not just weeping, though we are rejoicing, and it is that sorrowful joy that uh, so many have spoken of. And um, we stand with the family in this, and uh, our tears are the same. She was much beloved and will be much remembered. Well, today, today a young man comes uh, to Jesus with a very important question. We all have questions. Why do questions arise among mankind? Well, we sure got them. They rise up. Why do we have these concerns that come upon us? And recent times in our world have been very confusing and sometimes troubling to both the mind and the soul. And I've found myself often wishing that I could ask Jesus how I should think about everything. How should I think about this, Jesus? And more importantly, what should I do about this? Do I act? Do I not act? How do I think? What must I do? In my work at the county, I have often heard uh, from my, my mostly non-religious uh, co-workers, non-religious of any kind, um, I, I've heard them saying about a difficult person that that certain difficult person needs to have a come-to-Jesus talk. Now, I hear that from, um, uh, from Jews, from secular humanists, from Muslims, <laughs> I hear it from everybody. Oh, he needs to have a come to Jesus talk. And, and I, I don't know whether they're doing it trying to sort of help me to understand the great need that's there. And I have often said when someone says, oh my, has it come to that? <laughs> How helpful would it be if we could have a time where we came to Jesus and talked to him, where we actually were right before him and got to ask him those things that are on our heart, those things that are on our mind, those things that have us stuck. Multitudes have come to, to the Lord. 
multitudes across history. We, we hear of multitudes in the gospel. And now behold, a young rich man with a lot of complications comes to the Lord. And so we today in this place here have come to the Lord. We have come here with all of our complications. We have come perhaps not to have a talk with Jesus, to, but to be where Jesus is. For he is here, invisibly present. We are having a come to Jesus talk whether we know it or not. You may remember some weeks ago in the gospel how a young boy came to Jesus from out of a hungry, confused crowd. This boy didn't have any profound or complex theological questions to ask. He didn't come to Jesus to justify himself. He didn't come to Jesus to in any way present himself as big. He actually didn't come and say very much. The boy just came forward to Jesus and offered the Lord everything he had. Perhaps he bowed down and offered to the Lord everything he had in his little backpack that his mama had packed for him on the way to school that day. He offered to Jesus Five little loaves and two little fish. Not much. Everything he had. Five little loaves, two little fish. Now, I'll bet he liked the boy's attitude because Jesus lifted up the boy's offering and he transformed it. He did a miracle with what that little boy brought to him in humility. The Lord lifted it up and he multiplied it to feed the multitude. And I will bet you that that little boy walked away from there changed for the rest of his life because of that little come to Jesus talk that he had. In today's gospel, a bigger young man comes to meet the Lord. I was thinking about that, that movie, Big, and how a little boy in it wanted to be big. But the kicker in the movie that he found out a little bit later was he didn't understand all the unintended consequences of little boy becoming a big boy. He didn't understand all the complications that were going to come when he became big. And then when he got big, he wanted to get small again because it got so tough on him. Well, like that young man, this bigger young man today to meet the Lord, He's more complicated than the boy. He carries with him a whole lot of baggage. Now, I don't know whether any of you all have any baggage, but most of us older folks, um, seems like we accumulate stuff. Not just hoarder kind of stuff, but we just got more stuff that we carry around with us the older we get. We have baggage of affluence perhaps and and actually the richer you are the more stuff you begin to start to carry around we have our educations and the more letters you start putting after your name you really start carrying a lot of stuff with you because it's pompous kind of stuff it's stuff that puffs you up that makes you bigger he was this young man you might say a lot like us 
He had spent his life so far making himself big, big in the security of possessions, big in his theological knowledge, and big in the deeds which he had done, which he used to justify himself rather than offer them in humility out of his backpack. He didn't set down his bigness or his complications that were there in his baggage. He didn't set them down before he came to Jesus to talk to Jesus. And it would maybe make sense that you ought to set your baggage down when you come to Jesus. Leave it at his feet. This young man was so big that he couldn't scrunch himself down to get small, to get humble, humble enough to get through that very small door that gets into the kingdom of God. He might have, have made it through if he was willing to try, and the Lord certainly would have helped him, but the rich young man wasn't willing leave his baggage outside the door before he came to Jesus. He wasn't willing to set his baggage down. All those things he carried that make him made him big. And so I find myself asking, as I'm sure some of you might perhaps in this moment, what is it that I've held on to? What's my baggage? What's all that extra stuff I'm carrying that somehow or another I use to defend myself, to justify myself, to make myself feel big? What are the complications that I grasp onto in this world? And when I ask myself that, I find myself answering myself. Forgive me, those of you who are mental health professionals, I do have conversations with myself, often, often, and, and they are robust, florid, even. I would use. That's a mental health word. My conversations are very florid ones. I find myself asking, who then can be saved? Can I be saved? How, how can I talk about salvation for others when I find myself asking that question? We must ask that question. It was a good one that came from the disciples just like the one that the rich young man asked, what must I do to be saved? What must I be able to do to get through that little door? So, as is my custom, um, sometimes, when I'm, I'm wise, to, to look to the Bible and, and to the fathers and to think, okay, what, what is it that's there? And rather than to one of my big university-sized books, which I've got shelves full of. You know, any of us that, that, that came through those institutions, we tend to accumulate huge books, huge sets of books that we leave on our shelves, not so much to read them, but just to remind us of how big we really are, as if, as if the certificates on the wall didn't remind us of how big we are. But I didn't find an answer in the big books, the big sets, all of those university accumulations. I found it in what one of my grandsons is fond of calling little things, teeny, teeny, tiny. It was a teeny, tiny little dog. It was a teeny, tiny little house. 
I found an answer in a teeny, tiny little book. A little book that's so small that any teeny, tiny young man or any big man could put it in his backpack with that lunch that his mama had packed for him. And in that teeny, tiny book I found from Matthew 18, that Jesus called a little child unto him, and he set him in the midst of the disciples. And he said, truly, truly, I say to you, except you be converted, except you be changed, and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. What's this mean for us? Do we somehow get shape-shifted down to, uh, to where we're playing with Legos? You know, to where we are, little teeny tiny kids. Do, you know, I, often I've thought that that might actually be kind of grandsons playing with their, all their stuff. It looks like such a wonderful world, so different from the complicated world that I see on, on CNN or in the newspaper or out there in my work. It looks so, like such a lovely place to go to. If you watch a child, what is it that you learn? And we have ample opportunity for we have many blessed children among us. What do we see? We see that a child wakes up in the morning. The child wants to climb into bed and snuggle with mom and dad. First thing the child wants to see is mom and dad. And the touch of that meeting with mom and dad orients pretty much how the rest of the day is going to go. And at the end of the day, the child must have the presence of mom and dad. He needs the touch of a mom, needs the touch of a dad. And so must I seek the presence of my father in the morning, first thing, and when I lay me down to sleep. When you lay yourself down to sleep, you want to touch your father. You want to touch the community of the saints that's there present with you. And if, if we get off that, somehow you know what happens? The cares of the big people's world come to ensnare us. If we have not touched our Father morning and evening, if we have not been in the community of our parents, then the snares of the world come and ensnare us. And though that child, though that little child who speaks in teeny words, though that child may go on to accomplish great things with the life that he has been given, the substance of his early identity is formed principally from the contact with mom and dad, the relationship to the family. Forgive a play on words, but his nurture will be healed of the handicaps of his nature. A child grows up and thrives when our hands are held in an unbroken circle of the family table and here at the divine liturgy, two tables, Two altars, in a sense, that in our home, that in our church. We must be at both 
if we are to teach our children well and raise them well. In the simplicity of life around the table, we learn humility, we learn to give thanks, we share what has been given, we pass the gifts that have been prepared from hand to hand, and sometimes we may bump into each other, but when we bump into each other and there's a little rift that's there, we teach our children to say sorry. And we, Father Nicholas and I and all the rest, turn and say to you all, forgive me, my brothers and sisters, if we have in any way bumped into you in the family. Forgive us. We big people have many big priorities that we do in this life. We start the day with checklists that we are somehow compelled to stick to all the time, to make sure we check all of the boxes off. But what if we made the first priority the simple things of the family table and the simple things of the altar? We probably would get all of the other stuff done then too if we made those simple childlike things the first priority. If we cultivate simplicity, our hearts just might become as healthy as a healthy child's heart. We might become small enough to fit through the door into the kingdom. And our achievements in this world, rich or poor, large or small, we cannot let them define who we are. Our family ties in the kingdom of heaven where our treasure is, that is what defines us. When one of our babies gets baptized, it reminds us of this. A wedding, such as next week, reminds us of this. The liturgy reminds us of this. It renews in our life what we have been given. And even a funeral is not a sad ending, but it is the sending on of our treasure into heaven in the hope of a harvest, in the hope of the multiplication of the virtues of that departed one, the simple virtues. At the beginning of our life, in the middle, and at the very end, we must get low, as an old gospel song said. You want to get to heaven, you must get low. We must get low, bow, cross ourselves, and place our treasure in heaven. Today, here, and in every day of our life, we must be coming to Jesus. May we be getting low and child-sized, and may we place our treasure in heaven, and may we all be there in heaven where he is, as we are here on earth. And may that be to the glory of God our Father. Amen.